be the name of the Lord, who is a strong tower in our darkest hour, who is a bridge over troubled waters, who is a stronghold, a refuge in times of trouble. Amen. <clears throat> he's a shield. He's a buckler. He is our defense. Amen. Praise be to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for your wonderful presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for your saints who have gathered this day. Glory to the Lord. <clears throat> Father, I just pray right now that you would give me uh, the words to speak to encourage your people from your word, to strengthen your people on the strength of your word, O Lord. Father, I pray, God, that you would speak and that you would dispel the lies of the wicked one, that all that he has sought to accomplish would be dismantled, <clears throat> demolished, and destroyed. Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. <clears throat> well, I just want to welcome you all today for having joined uh, for another uh, day, uh, another week of prayer. Amen. <clears throat> it's a blessing to join with you all, as always. Um, and I just want to delve into the scriptures really quickly. Uh, I want I, I will be reading from the ESV today. I happen to leave my uh, Bible in my uh, my car. The, the Bible I normally read that's NIV <clears throat> because uh, <clears throat> I was recently asked to give. Uh, the word to uh, uh, a church of, of believers, and uh, it was wonderful. I, I know that uh, you all were informed about it, and I thank you for those who helped to uh, pray. <clears throat> Are you all here? I just want to make sure we're all present. <clears throat> Amen. Um, well, <clears throat> it was a wonderful day, wonderful night. The Lord really showed up. God really moved. Um, it, it was amazing. Uh, you know, I had informed, uh, you know, one of the uh, attendants there. Um, they, they were speaking to me about, uh, you know, the church and, and whatnot, and uh, they wanted to start giving me details, and um, <clears throat> so I had informed them, hey, don't tell me anything, I don't, I don't want to know uh, anything about anybody, I don't want to know names, and the reason why I told them that is because when I go to preach, and God shows me things, then they can't say that I was told, you know, if, if asked, if anybody told me anything, they can't say that that happened. You, do you understand? <clears throat> um, that's how it should be. Is 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 w w preachers shouldn't rely upon what their eyes see or what's told to them, because not only that, people can lie to you. Amen. I, I'm not insinuating that that individual is lying to me by any stretch of the imagination. But the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. P See, the, the only true, absolute, credible source is God himself. 
you know, and it was funny because um, my, my, my cousin, uh, Lorena, because she was translating for me. Uh, unfortunately, I, I, um, I'm not fluent in Spanish, um, although I would love to be. <clears throat> but when I got there, she's like, uh, where are we turning in the Bible? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know until God tells me. And uh, it was like, you know, a couple of minutes before, uh, you know, I was to give the message. And, um, and so I prayed and the Lord gave me a specific verse that happened to relate to everything that was, that happened to them in the past. And so I blessed God for that, for having shown me, uh, those things and got to pray for them. And there was a lot of breakthrough and a lot of individual prophetic words that were given and, uh, God had moved. Amen. And so I, I want to thank you guys for, uh, lifting, uh, myself up to help pray. Um, even Paul himself had requested the prayers of the church of Colossae in, uh, Colossians chapter four. He says, be devoted to prayer. And then he says, pray for me that a door of utterance be, would be given to me. How many of you know that in order to preach the gospel, you need a door of utterance. You can't barge doors down. You need doors to be opened. You don't open doors. Even though your heart may be zealous and sincere, you don't barge doors open. You don't, you don't go into public malls and, and try to start a worship thing um, uh, and, and, and preach in a, in a mall that's, whose property isn't yours. That's barging doors. That, that, I'll, I'll let you guys infer who I'm speaking about. But... We, <laughs> See, when the gospel goes out, men uh, uh, see the wondrous works of God. Amen? Y'all here? Amen. You, you can amen. This, this ain't a Mormon church. <laughs> like I said before, uh, I don't, I don't, we're not Mormons here. Amen? So, um, <coughs> but with that said again, thank you uh, very much for uh, helping to pray. Uh, the Lord moved and, uh, and he was glorified and um, amen. And I bless him for that. Uh, but nevertheless, I, I real quickly want to turn to Ephesians chapter six. And to encourage us in the Lord. I know many of you guys already know this passage. But. It's one thing to know it. And it's another thing for it to. Become a conviction of yours. It's one thing to know the word of the Lord in your head. And it's another thing for it to take conviction of your heart. Amen. The, the Bible says in James, it says, be not a, a, a hearer of the word only, but be a doer. 
The Bible likens hearing the word and not doing it as a forgetful hearer. So if you don't know how to implement the word, you're going to forget it. It takes practice for it to retain within your memory. Amen. <clears throat> See that this is why this is why I don't hear um I don't really listen to people who speak to me about prayer but don't do it themselves. Um or they 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 tell me certain things about spiritual realities don't work. You don't even do it yourself, so how are you going to tell me you know how to do it? <laughs> right? You know, I remember one time I was with this brother in the Lord and, and, uh, and, and this was years back and we went to the gym cause he got like, a uh, he started going to the gym. And so, um, I got like a free sign up pass. I stopped going at that point, but I just, you know, decided to go there in support of him. And then, uh, you know, I used to work out back in the day and stuff. I don't really care for it anymore. Not saying it's bad. Uh, but when I, when I went there, I was showing him how to lift weights and, um, because, you know, one of the very important things, it, it doesn't matter how much weight you do per se, it, it does, you know, in, in one sense, depending on your goals, but a lot of what matters is your form. So you can be, you know, lifting 50 pounds for a bicep curl and it not profit you very much because y your form is off. But anyways, there was this one dude who came up who was absolutely out of shape. <laughs> when I say he was fat, he, I mean, he was fat. And I don't try to say that to be insulting. But he took it upon himself to come over there, even though I was showing him and I was far much fitter than himself. And he wanted to try to educate the brother. And then once that dude left, the brother told me, he's like, I, he's like, I was thinking in my head, like, Yo, like, practice what you preach. Um, <laughs> right? He might have been even right. Sometimes people may be right, but the fact that you don't implement it yourself, you've already lost credibility for people. Right? Um, you know, like, for example, th there have been some times where, you know, homeless men you know, who was smoking crack, surprisingly knew a lot of the verses in the Bible. But the, the fact is, is that since you haven't lived it out yourself, you're not a credible source to me. Does that make sense? You know, there, there was this uh, one instance where there was this individual, this brother, who... Uh, only believed in prophecy theoretically and whose church didn't practice prophecy who never prophesied i've never i'm not saying this to be insulting but he was trying to tell me how it's done and i'm saying brother with all due respect i've been doing this for a number of years now so how are you going to tell me how to fly a plane if you never flew one does that make sense um, you know, as look, with all due respect, know your lane, know your own lane. 
Amen? And, and, and if you do know your lane, and, and you know it well, don't allow other people accuse you of pride because you're confident. I, I hate it when insecure people accuse me of pride. No, you're, you, no, the problem is, is that you have hurt pride and you're projecting on me what is true of you. No. Now, you know what's pride? Is if I don't know what I'm talking about and I try to act like I do. And, and be, in order to save my image so people, you know, respect my image, I'll keep maintaining it, my, my image before people continuing to speak as if I know what I'm talking about when I don't. That's pride. That's arrogance. You know, I, I was watching, you guys ever uh, read the book uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by uh, Robert, uh, I think his last name is Kiyosaki. He has a lot of good principles. I don't claim to think I know everything about finances, um, but I always like to keep an open ear about stuff like that. And from what I hear is that he's a, a pretty reputable name in the field of personal finance and making money and stuff like that. Um, and by the way, making money is not a bad thing as a Christian. You, you, if God is your God, you should want to make money. The Bible says that the weakness of, of the, uh, the poor is his poverty. So poverty, let's stop acting like poverty is a good thing. The Bible says in Deuteronomy that poverty is a curse. So, you know, poverty doesn't equate to holiness. Neither does riches equate to godliness, but we should, we should never pride ourselves as if we're barely getting by, as if somehow we're more holier than the next person. But nonetheless, this guy, well, this guy who has a podcast welcomes Robert Kiyosaki on there, and, and this, this guy is, you know, probably in his 50s by now, maybe early 60s. He's been doing this a long time. He's a multimillionaire. And the the guy on the podcast started correcting Robert, Robert Kiyosaki. And then Robert stopped him. He says, how arrogant of you. He says, you welcome me on your podcast to show, so you can ask me about my expertise. And now you want to correct me. He says, how arrogant of you. And, and, and then the guy humbled himself. He says, you know, I'm sorry. You're right. I did do that. Is forgive me. Continue. So luckily, he was able to humble himself. But the point, though, is this: isn't to be gullible and and pretend humility before people who don't know what they're talking about. But if someone does, then you yield your your reason, you yield your argument, and say, "I'm done with the argument." Uh, okay, I, you have something to to contribute here. Let me hear what you have to say. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs, that a wise man attains unto wise counsel and so increase learning. You know, um, does that make sense? Amen. You know, recently on, um, I made a statement on Instagram. And the reason why I, I use these examples is so that you have a real life picture of what principles look like in real time. But on Instagram, I said something to someone and they said, uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Go read your Bible. And I don't really like presumptuous claims like that because it comes off, of, you know, just ignorant. But I said, and, and this isn't the, you know, this was just kind of humble the person. I said, I can read my Bible in biblical Greek. Do I have permission from you? 
to speak without being dismissed as if I don't read a Bible. Um, and now that may sound bad to certain ears, but when someone belittles someone else who actually has been authorized by God, don't allow them to intimidate you with the accusation that you're being proud when in reality to falsely act as if you're humble is itself pride, but it just masked with religion. Does that make sense? Because there are religious individuals out there that will try to intimidate you with their words and to impose on you and to speak into your soul things that are not true. Oh, you're this. Oh, you're that. And they'll, they'll, they'll gaslight you with scripture. No, I rebuke you. I cut off your wicked words, you devil. Don't speak to me that way. Amen. Your native tongue is of the is no different than the devil. Amen. Y'all following? Y'all here? <coughs> um, but uh, Ephesians chapter six. Beginning at verse 10, it says, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So there are some schemes you have to stand against. Amen? There are some schemes that will come against you. And so Paul is encouraging the church at Ephesus to be strong in the Lord. Don't be strong in your own might. You might be very strong comparative to other individuals. But the wonderful thing about the Lord is on the, the, on the battlefield, you can be the weakest individual and amass strength through God, through Christ. In fact, personal weakness is prerequisite in order to obtain strength and might through the Lord. Does not Paul say... In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness that the power of Christ may rest on me. So you won't be able to testify to the resurrection power until you have uh, been disabled. You've been crippled, humanly speaking. And you've been pit up against a situation where self-deliverance and getting yourself out of the situation is utterly impossible. As long as there remains an inf insufficiency within ourselves, there will be a need for prayer. Because it lays claim and lays hold of God, who is all-powerful, who is omnipotent. Who possesses all might and strength. Hallelujah. Amen. But there's armor that you got to put on. And this implies that there's a battlefield that you must fight on. So if we, if we have assumed that our walk with the Lord will be easy. Then we are already at a disadvantage. 
You know, one of the things about Navy SEALs is they teach you, because Navy SEALs is like special ops, you have to go beyond just basic training, basic boot camp. And boot camp is already difficult as an, uh, enough as it is, especially for Americans. I don't say this to be insulting, but who sadly are, for a large population, out of shape. Sadly. Uh, but even that alone is difficult. You know, even for someone who is in shape, you're going to break a sweat. But special ops, they take you through a hell week. And, and and virtually no one makes it. And and but the point though is that those those Navy SEALs they say they tell them, look, your your even your great physical endurance will not be enough. You know the only thing that is enough when you're there is the will to keep going, is a strong mind. And they try to break your mind down. They try to break it. I don't care if you if you're a gangster in the streets, if you you know, or if you you know you did time in the pen, or if you know you you had a hard life, you know, there comes a point to where every man has a tap out point. And the only thing that separates those who make it and those who don't is the will to keep going. Now the wonderful thing about the Lord is that He doesn't break your mind. He doesn't uh, 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 shatter you, uh, and nor does he try to crush you. Uh, the only thing that will enable you to continue in the Lord is if you're like the paralytic man who's lame and says, Lord, do you will to make me whole? He says, I'm willing, but are you? So the, the will must lay hold of the Lord who will enable you to do what you cannot do in yourself. He doesn't ask for you to be strong in yourself. He asks for you to be strong in Him. And sometimes, can I be honest, the reason why your walk with the Lord is so frustrating and, and so difficult is because you're still trying on your own. You have to lose confidence in what you can do by yourself. <clears throat> but it says, so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So the devil has schemes. He has multiple. He will try to coerce you. He'll try to seduce you. He'll try to afflict you. He, he, he will try to tempt you. He will try to cast you into the fire. He will pit people against you, society against you, ostracize you, get your own family against you. Try to create confusion in your life. Try to bend your mind through deception. And he will even use the Bible against you. That's what he did to Jesus. You know, he not only accuses you, but he accuses God to you. Saying God ain't helping you. God is God don't care about you. God don't love you. God uh, isn't going to save you. Amen. You're never going to get out of this. Even God can't rescue you. You know, read Psalm 42 and, and look what the psalmist says. He says, As dear pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, for the living God. When shall I meet with God? And he says, Why, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? Put your hope in God. They say, uh, uh, You know, where is your Savior and where is your God? That's the voice of the accuser saying, where is he? 
You know the Lord hides himself? And there will always be instances where it appears as if the accusation of the devil is correct. You know, the, the, the devil isn't a stupid deceiver. Deception by nature is seductive, and so it has an element of truth in it to detour you away from what is correct. See, what is correct doesn't always seem obvious. What is false sometimes appears obvious. Right? But it says, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against ruler, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. <coughs> you know, um, if you look in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, uh, Paul refers to Epiphras, he says, who is always wrestling in his prayers for you. I love the word there because in the Greek, it's the word agonizomai. And it means to wrestle to the point of agony. Or, to, or wrestle or fight to the point of agonizing exhaustion. And, and this particular word connotes uh, ancient athletic uh, Greek wrestlers who would wrestle to the point of gouging out the eyes of their opponent. And the one who successfully did that won. So you can imagine to what extent and length they went because they didn't want to lose their eyes. Right? To where they, they had no more energy to dispense and they had to tap into their, their will alone and to try to carry them where their body would not permit for them to go. Does that make sense? He, he doesn't say we play patty cake with the devil or, you know, or, or we uh, play four square. He says we wrestle. We wrestle against them. We don't we don't play footsies with them. We don't shake hands with them. We don't greet them. We're not nice to them. You know, last night in prayer, I was telling the Lord, I, I hate all that the devil stands for. I hate him and his boyfriend. <laughs> but I hate his kingdom. I love using that low blow, man, I tell you. Um, but I, I you know, I, I, I hate his kingdom. Amen? <clears throat> we are to love the Lord and hate wickedness. Hate evil. You know, I was blessing the Lord last night for my son. I was just immensely grateful for my, my boy and his beautiful smile and how much of a great delight he is to us. Right? And it just it warmed my heart to know as much as I love my son that the Lord, nevertheless, has blessed godly parents for my son and that he doesn't have to grow up, he, he, he doesn't have to endure what I endured. See, my mom all doped out on meth, my dad all drunk, 
you know, there was one time my, my mom stabbed my dad in the chest with a knife. Thankfully, it, it hit right here in the, the middle bone, you know, because, you know, otherwise he, you know, he wouldn't have died. Uh, but the, the constant fights and the physical abuse I endured, but even beyond that and worse than that, unfortunately, and and horrifically, there are children that are, are, are subject to sexual oppression and trafficking. And for a split second, for a small period of time, I, I allow for my mind to go there. And, and I began to say, man, what if that was my boy? What if that was my son? Now, I know it's not healthy to live in that state of mind constantly. The Lord wants us to partake of joy and to think upon that which is good. But to get, exit out of myself for a minute, I allow for my, my mind to endure that for a minute so that compassions can elicit in my heart to go out for other children. And begin to intercede and begin to pray. That, that children in my hometown that are subject to that would be delivered, would be set free, and that those oppressors that are, are tormenting them would be, their own wickedness would fall on their heads. You know, Jesus doesn't deal lightly at all when it comes to the little ones. He said very clearly, it's, it's, it's better for a man to tie a millstone around his neck than for you to cause these little ones to stumble. And in the day and an age where LGBT, XYZ, and every other you know, uh, uh, character that you want to add to that wicked agenda, you know, what are they doing? They're trying to take children. They're chanting it in the streets. They already done told us. They're making songs about it, mocking us to our face, and people don't do anything about it. Amen, somebody. Amen, it's Babylon, Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, it's worse than Sodom and Gomorrah because at least in Sodom and Gomorrah, they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have Jesus. They didn't have the gospel preached to them. Jesus said even Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented if the works that were done in Tyre and Sidon was done in them. So where are we at today? We have the gospel preached to us. You know, the interesting thing is that in Ezekiel, the Bible doesn't, I'm not denying that the sin of, of Sodom and Gomorrah was homosexuality. You know, homosexual sin leads to violence. You know, people want to placate it and act as if, you know, we're just doing us, let us be. You know, sexual sin leads, if, if it's not cut off, leads to absolute aggression and violation and violence. That's why they tried to rape the angels in Sodom and Gomorrah. Why do you think there, there's all these twisted, you know, fetishes in, 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 you know, this wicked porn world? Because don't let anybody tell you otherwise, because they don't care. They objectify people and they view them nothing more than mere matter as if it's just they're just meat no they're people with dignity and worth created in the image of god but nevertheless 
you know, that that's what we're up against today. We're inundated with so much filth. And they're parading it in the streets. And more than merely parading it, they're persecuting you if you don't acquiesce and submit to it. You know, let, let me say this and I'll continue forward. People don't care for people don't care if you preach Jesus. I know this sounds very controversial. People don't care if you preach Jesus. They don't even care if you say repent. They really don't. By and large, people don't. So many churches are preaching that every Sunday and and they're irrelevant to the government. You know who you know when you'll get people against you? When you attack the BLM movement, when you attack the LGBT movement, and when you attack the liberals in big tech, that's when they will come for your neck. Just don't identify sin. Just preach against sin. Say, sin is bad. Repent of your sins. And they're like, look at this guy. Get out of here. Your, your voice is irrelevant. But when you start pointing the finger and you say, you wicked Herod, you should not have your brother's wife then they'll do you like John the Baptist and have your head on a silver platter. Just start being specific about their sins and they'll come for you. Amen. How will that make for a T.D. Jake sermon? (laughs) I know it's not popular, but it's true. It's not popular, but it's true. <laughs> Give me this old time religion. <laughs> Take me back <laughs> to the old school. Verse 13, though. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Um, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. I'm coming to a close here. Um, <coughs> verse 13 is suggestive that you can miss certain you can fail to put certain pieces of your armor on, right? He says, take up the whole armor. If the command requires that you focus on putting up the whole armor, he wouldn't tell you something that you could could not fail to do. That suggests to us that you can fail to put on the whole armor. That might mean you put on no armor or you put armor on partially. And what he lists here is what? The belt of truth. So if you're not in the truth, then it matters not how much you're praying. If 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 the entire time, Mormons are praying all the time, Muslims are praying all the time, 
but they don't know God. Jesus said in John 15, if my word abides in you and you and me, then you can ask what you wish and it will be done for you. So it is imperative that we know the truth because if we know the truth and we keep it, we shall be set free indeed. Right? Jesus didn't say if you knew deception, you'd be set free. If you know the truth. So you have to put on the belt of truth. So you know what that must you know what that means? Is according to Proverbs chapter two, it says, Buy the truth and sell it not. What do I need money? You know what? In some cases you might actually do. Uh, and why I say that is because if God called you for a specific purpose and it requires money for you to go to school, then you might need to fork up money to buy the truth. But I know that in context, he's not talking about education per se, as much as he's speaking about learning from God and the wisdom that comes from his mouth. But in God's economy, it requires for the currency of sacrifice, humility, diligence, and seeking. He says, if for after then you seek for it as for hidden treasures, then shall you find the knowledge of God and wisdom shall be pleasant unto your soul. So if it's if you were to seek it as for hidden treasures, that means it's hidden. You got to do some searching and you got to know where to search for it. There are deep things of God according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and that if you're lazy, you won't avail yourself of the opportunity to by the Spirit to search for those deep things of God so that you may freely know the things given to you by God. Amen. See, in a day with Instagram reels and YouTube shorts, that ain't going to cut it. (laughs) The popcorn sermons aren't going to cut it. You need to delve deep. Continuing forward, it says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know, we have to understand two things. First of all, is that we're made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ, the the uh, imputing righteousness of, of the Lord. And that's a legal. That is a that's a position that we have in Christ. But however, there is also a practical. See that positional righteousness in Christ that has been imputed to you on the basis of Christ's atoning work on the cross is what doesn't lead you to be condemned. Amen. It says, "For by one sacrifice in Hebrews chapter ten verse fourteen." Has he made perfect forever those who are being made holy? So that that uh, that blood justifies you and exempts you from condemnation. You are spared from condemnation. You're not going to hell. But at the same time, there is also a practical righteousness such that if you do not have it, you will incur injury. And that injury may jeopardize your walk with God. It may not send you to hell necessarily or per se, but consequences will come as a result of your unrighteousness, your practical unrighteousness. And and, and so if we need a breastplate of righteousness, then that suggests if I don't have that sealing my chest, the devil can come for me. 
and damage one of the most vital areas of my body. Right? It, you know, if, if I keep, it doesn't mean I'm going to hell necessarily. Um, but say if, if, if I keep getting drunk, you keep spending all your money on it, then you're irresponsible. Then you start losing stuff. Then reproach starts being brought to the name of Jesus. Do you see how it just goes on a slippery slope and how the devil can use that as a foothold to put you into bondage and keep you there? Right? I'm not trying to guilt anybody. But I'm just trying to bring awareness of what we need to do in order to live victoriously. Or if I keep remaining in a relationship that is not healthy for me. And it only exposes me to uh, feelings of depression. Is it any wonder why the joy of the Lord is a foreign verse to me? It doesn't make sense to me. It's because you're doing what doesn't bring God joy for your life. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Right? We keep falling into pornography. That is going to... That's going to cause you to live in a perpetual state of just absolute defeat. You're going to feel sick of yourself. You're going to feel nasty. You're going to, and, and how you, you... It punctures the strength that you should have in God. Does it mean that you're beyond forgiveness? No. Does it mean that you're beyond the grace of God? No. Does it mean that you're beyond all of that? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that you keep wounding your conscience and 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 you're 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 giving your enemy, the devil, an opportunity to weaken your strength and to cause you to lose out on God's best for your life. The Lord doesn't want you to stay there. And his heart is more than willing to get you out of every single vice and bondage. Hallelujah. He is willing. He is willing to freely pardon, to blot out all your transgressions, to throw them in the sea of forgiveness. The Bible says in Micah 7.19, he delights to show mercy. It is his delight. God isn't reluctantly withholding mercy he needs for you, however, to acknowledge that which is a violation of his law and covenant and for you to confess and to plead for strength and mercy to overcome. It says in Proverbs, whosoever confesses and forsakes his sin, sin shall have mercy, but whosoever covers his sin shall not prosper. Does that make sense? So meanwhile, while we're singing, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, it won't work. Well, if you're covering your sin, you won't prosper. Those weapons will prosper. You got to allow yourself to relinquish your pride and say, Lord, 
and, and l let me say this, and I, I want to try to wrap up here so we can pray. <clears throat> the Bible mentions in James 5 to confess your sins to the elders. I'm not saying confess, you know, everything. Oh, you know, I, I went two, two miles over the speed limit or two kilometers over the speed limit. No. Or, or I, I got upset today. No, just, you know, wipe your hands, you know, get over it. But if, if, you, if you fornicated or if you're getting drunk or, or you know, you're, uh, you, you cheated on your spouse. No, I, I'm going to say something that offends people, but I guarantee you will remain in bondage to that sin until you confess your sin to the elders. Because the Lord, here's the reason why. Because you can't just say it's me and Jesus. How convenient for you. It's not a difficult thing for you to weep your eyes out in, in the closet, say, God. See, whenever God delivered people in the book of Judges, in the Kings, in Samuel, in Exodus, he always sent a man. And that that messes with religious people because they they don't want to acknowledge man. See, God is not just a vertical God; He is also a horizontal God. You have responsibility to God and responsibility to men. The Bible doesn't say whoever is wise and honorable earns favor in the sight of God. No, it says you earn favor in the sight of God and man. You can't eliminate man out of the equation and just say it's just me and God. Right? <clears throat> the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I think verse 20, it says the Lord does nothing without first revealing to his servants the prophets. Wow, God does, God commits himself to first revealing it to men before he does it for men. Amen. So, um, this is why it is imperative that you have a man of God in your life that is a minister of the Lord to whom you can be accountable to, not to humiliate you. If a person is humiliating you, you know, I, I'm not going to say who, but <clears throat> there was this individual I know that used to be a part of this you know, other, you know, group. And um, this individual was still very a young, you know, he has a calling on his life, but he's young. And, and he humiliated this individual that I helped to get liberated from that group. He humiliated that individual on a, on a Instagram live and, and put all their stuff on blast. I'm like, wow. That's that's wrong, man. And and was scoffing and laughing at this person while he was doing it. That's wrong. So no, it, it's it's not about humiliation, it's about liberation. That's what it's about. Amen. And this is why ministers have to be very seasoned and mature, respectable. Don't go don't gullibly accept uh, the authority over your life uh, uh, f f by one who hasn't earned 
anything. They haven't earned stripes. They haven't earned respect. They haven't. A ha- they don't have a credible history of being honorable and respectable above reproach. Amen. Relationship grows at the speed of trust. And even God himself didn't make himself without a witness. You know, God is so humble that Jesus even had uh, John the Baptist, a prophet, his point man to point him out and to give him credibility and attestation to say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus didn't just come on the scene and say, Yo, hey, I'm the Messiah. No, he allowed a prophet to point him out before he entered into his ministry. If Jesus did it, if Jesus submitted to authority, so can you. Amen. (laughs) God has process and protocol, and it's not independent from man. It includes man. It does. So, this is the last thing I want to point out here, and this is, I think, the key focus of why I brought this passage up. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayers and supplications. So the devil has arrows. In Psalms, David says, uh, their their words are arrows and their teeth are swords. See, the devil can either implant things within your mind apart from mankind or he can do it through mankind. He can whisper in other people's ear to get to so that they can speak to you and speak death, speak lies, speak depression, speak oppression. That's what the enemy will do. Have you ever been praying and then just a, a random intrusive thought comes in and then, and then it causes you maybe to reflect, oh, like, dang, you know, this, and it causes you to worry or become anxious? That's the devil. God didn't do that. So God interrupted your praying? Right? And, and, and you have to learn not to give in to it. The Bible doesn't say try to catch the arrows. He said just put up the shield of faith. See, a lot of times people try to focus on every single arrow and attack every arrow individually and try to catch them. That's stupid. You're going to get hurt and damaged that way. Don't, don't, don't even engage it. You know, I had, I had recently, I'll tell you what, I, I, I recently, and I'm, a, I'm just being transparent here. Just last night. I comment on this uh, 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 Instagram reel, and this dude, you know, w- wicked slandering me, saying you you this that and the other, and he says you're nothing. And I said I cut your wicked words off, and your 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 swords of slander, and may they backfire on your head. And then he laughed and said that charismatic stuff doesn't work. <clears throat> and I said, 
and and on his picture it was it was showing him kicking a bag like a, a punching bag i can see that you know he had a bible verse i could tell that he was into like fighting and stuff i said do you like mike tyson and uh and, which i know he does and and he said uh, he, he kind of ignored it and he kept insulting me and slandering me and I, I quoted Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And I said, the kingdom is not in talk, but in power. I said, I speak in parables. And I just left it at that. This guy, for hours, kept messaging me. He kept viewing my stories and even tried to video call me. Y'all following? Now, people might call into question what I said there. But I was implying that my words aren't meaningless. If you, if you think that me saying for it to backfire on you isn't, is pointless and it's, it doesn't work, everyone got to plan until they get punched in the mouth. You talk a lot, but end of conversation. I just left it at that. And, and, and so, um, anyways, it, <laughs> You know, he, he was even continuing to try to, uh, he, he, hours later at like one in the morning, he was still viewing my stories. And this was like earlier in the day. And I'm like, so I, I bring all that up to say this, um, put up the shield of faith, know that, you know, God and God knows you. And if you're walking righteously, Those arrows aren't going to do anything. Amen. Those arrows won't do anything. And so whether it's it's a witch that tries to curse you, or a warlock that tries to curse you, or it's someone that tries to slander you, because you know what the enemy wants you to do? Is to replay those arrows in your head. Because once you start putting it on replay, that arrow's stuck. Don't allow that. See, the enemy, remember what I said earlier, the devil points out things that appear to be true. Because that's what good liars do. They tell half-truths. Right? What would happen today if the devil came to you and said, hey, man, you, want, you know, from an old, like a homeless man, hey, man, you trying to buy some crack? You think, <laughs> are you going to give in? No, the devil don't do that. He does things that he knows will be a far much more likely prospect and he will succeed, right? You're quiet. Put up the shield of faith. And you know what faith is? It's not knowledge. You use you use the word of God, but you, there are certain situations you, you don't know what will happen. And the devil wants you to worry, cause doubt, cause fear, cause anxiety. And if Paul is saying put up the shield of faith... That means that there is a temptation to doubt. There is a temptation to be afraid. 
And the devil wants to lure you into that. Say, hey, look look at that. Don't you see that storm that's raging? Don't you see those waves? Yeah, you heard Jesus to come out of the boat and to step onto the water. But you, you're going to sink. You're going to drown. You ain't going to make it. You're going to die. It looks scary. Yeah, Peter, yeah, you fished before in the sea and on the boat, but you haven't gone this deep before. You're going to die. Right? But see, Peter, the P, see, Peter didn't step out on the, on, the, on the water per se. He stepped out on the word. Because Jesus says, he says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. So first he inquired, it's wise to say, Lord, if you really want me to do this, bid me to come. Give me an occasion for my feet to step out so that when I plant them, I'm stepping on your word and not upon an assumption, not upon a lie, not upon the enemy or my own strength, but I'm stepping out on your word that gives me a basis to be confident. And you know, I love the Lord because like David says, I love the Lord because he heard my cry. And so when Peter was drowning, he said, Lord, carest thou not that I perish? And Jesus stuck out his arm with an outstretched arm and drew him out so that even if he fell in the process, the Lord was right there by his side. Hallelujah. He don't leave you alone. He will not abandon you. He won't leave you in the lurch. So that if you say, God, I may even be struggling to step out, but at your word I step out because I have faith in you. You've never failed. You're a strong tower and you are right by my side as a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so that even if you stumble in the process, the Lord is willing to pull you out. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 